Leon! Small world, eh? Well, I see that the president's equipped his daughter with ballistics, too. How rude! And I don't believe there's any relevance with my figure and my standing. Who are you? Oh, oh excuse me, your highness. Perhaps the young lady might want to introduce herself first before asking someone his name. Her name's Ashley Graham, the president's daughter. Is she... well, you know... Don't worry. She's cool. Eh, never mind. There's supposed to be some kind of obvious symptom before you turn into one of them anyway. <gasps> Look! Ashley, upstairs! Okay. It's game time. Hello there. Welcome to PlayStation Pals, a podcast about the PlayStation consoles and the video game industry. I'm your host, Nick, and what you just heard is an actual line from Resident Evil 4 in which Luis, a character helping the player-controlled protagonist, Leon Kennedy, rescue the president's daughter, refer to her breast as ballistic missiles. (laughs) No joking. (laughs) And I am joined by the Atreus to my Kratos, John. Now, John, I'm going to hit you with a hard question on our very first episode here. Do you think that quote will be in the Resident Evil 4 remake. Uh, well, first off, Nick, I, I gotta say, I, I gotta think, uh, between the two of us, I am definitely the Kratos in this situation, being <laughs> being that I am both bigger and God of War is one of the greatest games of all time, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but to answer your question, no, I, I don't think that that will make... Uh, the remake, uh, for many reasons, uh, biggest being that, you know, the <laughs> climate we live in nowadays, I don't think uh, a lot of big corporations would let that fly, um, <laughs> you know, just for the sake of sales and things of, of that nature. So, uh, no, I, I think we're going to be uh, free of ballistic missiles in the remake. <laughs> and I believe, and I don't quote me on this, I'm already going to have, we're gonna already need a correction. I believe in the VR version of this game, which just came out not too long ago, I believe those lines are already edited out. So, yeah, I, I, I think, think you're right. I think I've heard that as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is episode one of our podcast. Uh, we're really not going to get into why we're podcasting. We just love to talk about video games and we thought, let's give this a shot and see if we enjoy it. So, this is the format for the podcast. We each are going to bring three things every week to the table could be a video game we're playing, a news story, a topic, a Reddit post, an email to PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com. Whatever we feel like talking about that week, um, we're going we're gonna to bring it. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be in the show notes, so if you want to skip ahead, uh, you can if you don't want to hear what we're talking about. Um, but this week, our focus is really going to be on E3, but not the real E3. The real E3 got canceled. The and fake in one. It, <laughs> and in its place is about 20 different events. Um, the big ones being Sony's State of Play, followed by Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest kickoff, and then the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase. But there were tons of events. There was the Capcom Showcase. There were Days of the Devs. There were so many events. And um, I got another question for you, John. Mm-hmm. Zero to five, 
how would you rate, as of right now, there's actually a Final Fantasy event going on while we're recording, but of mm-hmm. all the events you've, you've, you've seen so far, what would you rate this quote-unquote E3 out of five? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll say my, my gut reaction is, is pretty low. Um, you know, when I think of everything that's happened so far, you know, you kind of tend to think of the big events first, right? Summer Games Fest, um, which, you know, I love you, Keeley, but that was not your best performance. You know, there, there weren't very many heavy hitters. And it was also uh, definitely a bummer that The Last of Us got leaked a little bit before. So I know that took a lot of wind out of his sails. Um, the Sony State of Play was actually pretty good. I thought that that was one of the best State of Plays we've had. Um, some big games there with uh, Resident Evil 4, Street Fighter 6, Final Fantasy 16. You know, there's not really many bigger names in the industry than those. So um, that was pretty good. But I would say all in all, I'd probably give it a two to two and a half, honestly. I mean, again, Sony <laughs> Sony brought it up a little bit with their showing. But, um, you know, Microsoft had some good stuff. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit here going forward. But they started off really strong, super pumped about Hollow Knight. But, man... Similar to like last year when I think they started to talk about trebuchets and stuff. It just was kind of a snooze fest in the middle and really, really lost a lot of steam. So um, needless to say, I, I do miss E3, the real E3, uh, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It's just none of these events were like just had the energy that a normal E3 has, you know, you know, Ubisoft wasn't there. EA wasn't there. Sony was just barely there. You know, it just didn't have that energy. And none of the events were even the, the Keeley summer kickoff, which we, a little, uh, show notes here was we wanted to record last week because we thought summer games fest was going to be this crazy thing because all these publishers were not going to be here in their own events. Like they usually are. And to have that show just like not even close meet expectations, you know. Yeah, we are. You know, we are uh, victims of our own expectations a lot. I'm sure any video game fan would would agree with that. But yeah, I agree. It it definitely fell short. Gamers having unreal expectations. <laughs> News at eleven. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's just and you know and and I I just miss how how E3 you know the the non video game stuff side of it where it just it felt so much more cohesive and, and bringing the industry together and, you know, taking all these, these different companies who, you know, seem adversarial throughout the year, but, you know, really kind of celebrating games. And, and I think that's just something that's been missing these past couple of years is, is it's, it's hard to celebrate for a month long, let alone two months. And, and when you get break things down as small as they do now, it's, it's just hard to maintain that level of excitement um, that I think we all got when you'd see Keanu Reeves or, or uh, Reggie get on stage and stuff like that. So, right. But you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. <laughs> and there's really no like indicator of how big these events are. I, we watched the Capcom showcase, which we'll get into a little later. And it's just like, you don't know what's going to be there. Is, right. is it going to be a snooze fest or is it going to be something, you know, some, are they going to have big reveals? Are we going to get a dragon's dogma too, or uh, another product there? But you, you just don't know. And it's like with the normal E3 shows, it's like you, you knew something big was going to happen at all of them. Right. I mean, I think, yeah, some of these companies are even starting to hedge their bets, which I appreciate and don't at the same time where I think it was the Capcom one. They're like, look, we're not talking about anything that hasn't been announced yet. And so immediately mm-hmm. then you're just like, well, uh, all right, I guess, 
I guess I'll get a little more info about the things we know, but you know, you, you always are a little hopeful, hoping that they'll pull something out and be like, aha, you know, one more thing. But, um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time. I think everybody's trying to figure out how they want to proceed going forward. And, um, you know, we'll just kind of have to adapt with them. Yeah. So I'm with you. Two out of five, just not, yeah. not there, but yeah. not the worst thing in the world either. So, right. Um, so let's get into our six things. I'm going to, I'm going to start things off with kind of the big Sony announcement of the last few weeks. And that was at, uh, Jeff Keeley's, uh, summer game fest. They ended on this. They brought Neil Druckmann on stage. They bought Troy Baker on stage. They brought Ashley Johnson on stage to announce that they're remaking the 2013 uh, video game, The Last of Us. Um, they didn't show any gameplay. They just had a story trailer in which they showed a bunch of all the characters that we loved from the game, uh, and they all looked phenomenal and amazing. Yes, um, they did. I know... I don't know how much I want to be back in this game because I've more recently played Last of Us. I w- I didn't play it back in 2013. I probably played it within the last three to four years. Uh, but, John, what is your thoughts about this, and uh, do you plan on playing this? Yeah, so well, let me let me first off make sure, Nick, it, this is now The Last of Us Part 1. This is, right. this is <laughs> you know, it's kind of a retroactive renaming since, you know, obviously the second one came out and they called it Part 2. But, yeah, I'm excited about it. I... Um, you know, I think uh, I like to uh, explore the video game space a little bit more than you do, and I'm sure our audience will kind of learn that as we go forward. Where you know, you're, you, I know you want to always play the newest, biggest things, but uh, I have a tendency to uh, get really, really attached to specific things. Um, you know, and so if they hit me hard, like you know, I, I really can't get enough. And I, I probably recently played The Last of Us. I would say about probably about five years ago as well, uh, but. Anybody who's played it, and especially anybody who's into any type of narrative adventures, I, it doesn't get better than that. So, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, is Naughty Dog going to change any of the gameplay up? You know, because one of the things that they mentioned is uh, they're going to incorporate a lot of the gameplay mechanics from the second one, which, you know, was vastly, vastly superior to uh, the first one. Um, narrative uh, as well, but, you know, I know that's going to be a contentious topic. But I'm excited to see, you know, are they going to let uh, Joel go prone? Is he going to be able to go under cars like Ellie could in the second one? Are they going to be able to, um, you know, add new gameplay mechanics that let stealth be a little bit different? So, you know, I'm curious to see if they're going to add those kind of changes or if this will just be more of a graphical overhaul. Um, and like you said earlier, man, uh, you know, they've been they've been teasing some shots and some some different uh, stills from the game. And it, it does look so, so good. So. Um, I don't think I'll pick it up day one. You know, the $70 price tag to play another game right. or game you've already played is a bit hefty. But, um, you know, Ellie, Ellie would make a run for my favorite character in any game of all time. So, you know, I'm happy to spend a little bit more time with her if I can. Yeah, I, I didn't mention the price off the bat there, but that, that is a big factor. This is a $70 game for yeah. a game that... I guess I don't want to argue like what equals a $70 game, but when the story, the voice acting, a lot of the work is already in this game. Um, it, I can, I definitely see why people are a little contentious on the uh, paying the full price for this product. And it was interesting too on triple click, which is Jason Schreier's podcast. He had mentioned that the original plan was to bundle this with last of us Two, 
and have that be together a $70 PS5 product. And it looks yeah. like whatever happened over the last year or whatever, they decided to change their mind. Um, that or or even factions. I mean, I know that was a rumor at one point, right. you know, the long, the long rumored uh, Sony or um, Naughty Dog multiplayer game that they've been working on, you know. Uh, it's kind of been this this open rumor for a while, and so there was speculation that well maybe they'll just rope it in with the Last of Us remake, or you know make it a free to play game. And uh, I don't know if you were going to mention it, Nick, but I know Druckmann had even a little bit of info about that. So now mm-hmm. that we know that that's not included, it, it does it makes that seventy sting a little bit more um, than it would have otherwise. Yeah, I didn't want to mention the multiplayer because there there just really wasn't much there. There was a there was an art yeah. shot. And they kind of just mentioned that it's going to be more, there's going to be more story than just a straight up, you know, a PVP multiplayer experience. But I will um, say, Druckmann did say it will be Naughty Dog's biggest game yet, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, could just be, could just be marketing speak being that, oh, yes. yeah, you know, it's, it's a multiplayer. So we have, you know, more locations, more, more, gun, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, it, it is exciting knowing that that will be uh, a true Naughty Dog product, I guess. And I did want to touch on you. You had you you talked about what the gameplay changes might be in this game, and they did not yeah. show anything. We have not seen, you know, for a game that's coming out on September second, we did not see a, a single, you know, any gameplay at all. Right. So, like as you mentioned, when they, if they add all these Last of Us two systems, I would think that the level design is going to have to change too to meet right. all those. Like there'll have to be cars you can crawl under. Right. There'll have to be a way you can use those newer abilities in that came with in the last of us Two, the, the newer gameplay mechanics in last of us one. So I'm, I'm curious as to how much, how much will be different, uh, which could, it could justify that $70 price tag. If, if, if you're getting all new gameplay experiences that weren't in the first game, um, exactly. I'd feel better about playing the $70. Yeah. And that, and that's, you know, to answer your very first question, man, that's, that's why I want to play it. I mean, you know, even if it was just a a straight one for one, I'd probably be in, but the fact that there is uh, the opportunity to make a 10 out of 10 game even better, man, I I don't know how you, you know, you wouldn't want to at least see it, you know, see what it feels like. And the, and then the question is, your soul ready just to be crushed again by every? Oh. I don't have a soul. I don't have a soul, Nick. <laughs> a lot of bad things happened in that game. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> it doesn't hurt as much since you know they're coming, but uh, right. there's right. some yeah. There that as the second one, part two was is just man. Just they're not happy games. No, no, they're not. No. You don't play it to feel better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but you will feel things. <laughs> That's no, okay. It's okay to cry, Nick. So you know, it's okay to cry. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's All move right. on to the next thing, John. What are you bringing to the table? All right. Well, you know, since this is a PlayStation podcast, you know, we really like to talk about PlayStation centric things here. Figured probably the best game to start off first with is a, a game that's not coming to PlayStation, uh, and that would be Starfield. Um, so Starfield was the the stinger, the last game that they they showed at the Bethesda Microsoft conference. And as I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast knows, uh, Microsoft acquired Bethesda, or actually Zenimax, which uh, Bethesda falls underneath. That's their parent company, I believe. Um, well, I want to say about a year, year and a half ago. And so, you know, we know that a lot of these games that they're coming out with now are going to be exclusive to Xbox. reason I want to talk about it is I want to kind of just get your temperature, Nick, you know, on, on, on what the impression of that game, you know, left with you. Because 
you know, I don't know if there's a, a developer out there with maybe the exception of Rockstar that has quite the expectations or just the rabid fan base that Bethesda does. You know, when people talk about Elder Scrolls, Skyrim or Fallout 3 or, or anything like that, they expect these revolutionary, groundbreaking experiences, which for the most part in the past, most part in the past they have been. Um, but I think we're just starting to see them, you know, getting lapped. And I would argue that they got lapped with Fallout 4. You know, a couple of months before Fallout 4 came out, uh, The Witcher 3 came out. And I think everybody could, would agree that just the level of depth and, and uh, you know, different systems in place in that game just blew Fallout out of the water. So going into this gameplay reveal, this long-awaited gameplay reveal, you know, we kind of were ready to be blown away, I felt. And, and I, I didn't personally get that. Um, you know, the, the trailer opened up with, like a, I believe, a 15-minute, or it was basically a 15-minute gameplay demo where they, they showed off some shooting, um, some planet exploration, uh, went into the ship uh, and all the things that that can do. Um, but I got to say, it just screams to me, at least on a gut level, same old Bethesda, and I don't know if that's good enough anymore. Um, you know, this I don't want to I don't want to crap on the game all the way right now either. I mean, you know, it's going to be a Bethesda game, right? It's going to have amazing systems. It's going to have ways to level up your characters, ways to get new skills, all that stuff. But I just don't know if that's good enough anymore. Um, what was what was your your gut reaction when you saw the <laughs> Starfield gameplay, uh, Nick? Like, is it something that you know you think is kind of on par with? with what you're expecting or did it fall fall a little flat for you too? Yeah, it it probably fell a little flat for me. It was a, it was a roller coaster for sure. It started with this, you know, this down point of this gameplay where he you land on a bland looking planet, you're doing bland mining, you come on a, a you know, prefabricated research facility, there's bland shooting going on. Right. And then they kind of go into a kind of like a story trailer and they're showing other locations and these locations are very detailed and look beautiful and they're very dense. And then again, it gets to the Bethesda talking, which <laughs> I know you and me have talked before of after playing Cyberpunk 2077 where your character emotes and characters move around on screen and they you you feel more in the body of the character and the people talking to you aren't just standing there and you're not just staring zoomed in on their face that is kind of a staple of all the Bethesda games. I was really hoping they would get away from that. So then you see that and I'm back down again, but then they show the character customization and you can be like an introvert. You can have yeah. parents that you can have parents that you can visit on a planet and 10% of your income like goes to them. If you want to have parents, um, right. you know, all those like quirky Bethesda things that we come to love that were in the, the fallout threes and the Skyrims are there too. And then, you know, you talk about just the game's going to have space flight in it and you're going to be able to fly a ship and shoot other ships. That's crazy. But then you're like, this is also Bethesda. They mm -hmm. they released the most buggiest games of all time. And now they have system upon system upon system. And, and you're just like, the emotions are all over the place, you know. And right. I don't know about you, but like when you go, hey, I have a thousand planets in my game. I just, my eyes roll back. Like it's yep. just that... That just tells me there is a bunch of bland planets that I can build bland space stations on, and there's not there's not going to be no detail to it. There's not going to be a, interesting things to discover. I'm not going to land on a planet and run a few feet and run into an interesting NPC. It's just going to be a planet there for me to build and mine on, and 
I, I, when I played Fallout 4, that was the least interesting part was the settlement building. So it was all over the place. I'm with you. I'm not going to like shit all over the game. It's just I was expecting more for a game that Bethesda's been working on for a very long time on top of everything. And right. I know they still got a ways to go, but even just the performance and a lot of the the, the gameplay and the, the cutscenes and all that, it just, I mean... They 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 gotta wow me uh, to really feel like I'm missing out on uh, you know Microsoft taking this 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 game from us. Uh, from yeah, I, I I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of points there. You know, definitely the thousand planet thing. You know, it it just screams marketing speak. And you know, I think Todd Howard is more of a marketer than almost even a game developer at this point. <laughs> Every time that man talks, it's just like you kind of have to squint your eyes and say, "Are you sure? Are you sure about that? Or you know, is is that really how it's going to be?" Because I just get the sense that, you know, you, you come out here and you say, we got a thousand planets. And, like, to the average gamer, you know, the guy who plays Call of Duty and FIFA, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they're going to be like, yeah, a thousand planets, that sounds awesome. But then if you kind of know how games are made, if you know how developers work, and it's just like there is no possible way, whether they've been working on this for, you know, two years or 15 years, that you're going to get your developers to develop a thousand interesting planets that you want to explore, that you want to step foot on, and, you know, see if there's any civilizations there or whatever the case. It's got to be bland, and I hope I'm wrong, but... You know, I would imagine a lot of that stuff is just like, well, this planet's too cold for you to go on, or there's one specific mineral to to get here. So, <laughs> is it really going to be fun to go there, or is it going to feel like a chore to be like, oh, I got to go to Nebulon Five now, you know, to get my raritanium, blah blah blah? And it's just, I just can't, I can't escape the feeling that 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 game is just going to fall flat on a lot of parts. And that's not to say I think it'll be bad. I think the shipbuilding looks fantastic, and I'm not even a shipbuilding kind of guy. You know, if you have that creative bone in your body, you know, you'll find a lot of value there. But kind of to your what you said earlier, Nick, with the, the flying, I, I don't know if you heard this, but I, I believe since that gameplay demo, they said that there is no flying from planet to, to planet. Correct. So, so that leaves just ship flying around a planet doing space battle. So what is that even going to look like where you're, you know, you're exploring a planet and then you just get in your ship and you say, okay, I want to orbit now. And then you just do a couple space battles and then fast travel to another one. So, you know, I, Bethesda, to their credit, they are revolutionary, right? Fallout 3 changed the game. Skyrim changed the game. So I, I do have faith that they'll do it. It's just... You know, stiff face animations, guys. Come on, well, like, what are we doing? Um, so, I guess just yeah. One, one one last question about this, Nick. Do you think with the Bethesda acquisition, now that we know Bethesda games are not coming to PlayStation, the only like you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, Western RPG developers out there, but do you think it would be in Sony's best interest to put some resources, one of their teams, towards developing a Western RPG type game? Because if so, like. Think about that. Think if, you know, I, I think we couldn't both agree that Sony first-party games are the top tier. Um, you know, sorry if you think we're Sony ponies or whatever the case, but, you know, their, their first-party games, in my opinion, are the, the pinnacle of gaming. Can you imagine if Sony came out with a Western RPG with their pedigree and it just put that shit to shame? Like, that could be such a big deal. Like, do you think that Sony would ever do that or do you think they're just going to succeed, succeed that space to Bethesda and just rely on, like, CD Projekt Red or some other teams to, to get their, their Western RPG fix? 
Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question because yeah, Microsoft will be firing on all cylinders. They'll have Avowed, they'll have right. Fable, and then they'll have Starfield and Elder Scrolls, and Sony will not have that. Um, I guess the what I would first like who would be making that game, who would be developing that game is the first yeah. part. Would it be a Sucker Punch? Or you know, or Naughty Dog, or honestly, know, I mean, Suck, Sucker Punch was kind of my first thought, but now that I'm actually thinking about it, it's like, you know, what is Sony? What is Sony? What about Sony Santa Monica? Like, so, you know, we know that they're obviously wrapping up God of War Ragnarok right now. Um, do they? Do you think? I wonder if they have the chops to put together some systems because God of War does have some RB, RPG mechanics to it. You know, with the with the different armor sets and things like that. I wonder if like that could maybe potentially be a team that could take well, on a, a big RPG type thing. Well, we do know this that this is not Corey Barlog, the guy who did the first mm-hmm. game, is not doing the sequel mm-hmm. Ragnarok. So there, he's doing something. He's not just uh, twiddling his thumbs over there at Santa Monica. So, I mean, yeah, he is doing yeah. something, and also Sony Bend is doing something. So, yeah. I'm assuming there's no Days Gone sequel coming. So I. Yeah, either of those studios could be working on a Western RPG, and yeah, I, I mean, a lot of a lot of their games have RPG mechanics, like you know, uh, Horizon Forbidden West has a lot of RPG mechanics that are in yeah. there. It's technically is kind of a Western action RPG. So, yeah, I think you know it, it is probably in Sony's best interest to go. Hey, they're not the only Microsoft's not the only ones, you know. Uh, investing and developing all these Western RPGs. We, if you want that RPG experience, we got it too here. You can get yeah. that experience from us. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'd be worth to do. I, everyone loves RPGs. Their mechanics seep into every game possible. So yeah, I think it would definitely be in Sony's best just to, you know. Have yeah, I think so too. I think so too. They, they need, they need to do a little bit with, uh, you know, widening their their type their styles of games because yep xbox has shooters and and western rpgs sony needs to figure that out so yeah i don't know we'll see yeah and just to wrap it up it's like starfield is just kind of a game yeah well we're gonna keep our eye on like again we're not we're not hurt yet that it's on xbox only but you know if that game comes out and you know bethesda hits on like their previous titles skyrim and fallout um you know I'll be bummed for sure. Yeah, it'll, it'll yeah. be a game I would want to play on PlayStation. Um, right. All right. All so right. moving on, the next game that I'm going to bring to the table is the Callisto Protocol. This is nice. a game developed by Striking Distance Studios. It is made up of ex-Dead Space developers, including Glenn Schofield, who is directing the game. And it is a 2022 game, which is... Uh, that's all I rare. want to hear about right now. That's is rare. Games coming out this year. It is coming yeah. out in December. It is June. Things do happen. Um, these games will slip, but uh, it looks like the Dead Space spiritual successor successor that we all want. And, you know, you got the hood on the the hood, your health bar on the on your suit. Um, and they did an extended gameplay trailer at the Summer Games Fest, and it looks like you have a plasma cutter equivalent. Um, you have the ability to grab enemies and throw them. Um, it just looked really, really good. I know space horror was kind of like a theme at the Game Award or Summer Game Fest uh, with all, a bunch of similar looking titles and with Dead Space Remake coming out in January right on the heels of this. But it still just looked refreshing. It's a, you know, can't have, let have, uh, can't have Resident Evil just taking all the... Uh, 
the horror vibes, the third person horror vibe. So it's nice to to get another game that that is got this Dead Space vibe. Um, but uh, what did you think, John? I thought it looked fantastic. I thought that it was probably you know. It's probably my game of the show. I mean, Last of Us could have been, but I think Callisto Protocol took me from, uh, you know, being mildly excited to, like, let's go uh, day one, perhaps. I mean, um, like you said, man, it, it's I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a game that wears its inspiration on its sleeve more than this one. And that makes per- perfect sense, obviously, since Glenn Schofield, you know, created Dead Space 2. So, um, you know, I don't see why that wouldn't be the case. But, you know, it, it seemed claustrophobic. It seemed you know, gross in the, you know, in a good horror type way, bodies, you know, ripping away from walls and, and horrible, you know, the, the way that the trailer ends with the main character getting ground up in this little spinning turbine thing, or, you know, using your telekinesis power to force somebody into a spinning fan and they explode. It's just, you know, if you're a fan of the horror genre, I don't know how you look at this one and don't immediately want to buy it. And, you know, it, it seems like they really care about it. I, I've re- read recently that they want to make this into a franchise, um, you know, and things like that. So, you know, it's it's always a little little nervous. You're a little nervous when you get a new team. I'm not sure what striking distance has done in the past or, you know, if, if – is that the team that did PUBG? Because I know this was originally a PUBG thing. Or is, <laughs> no, is that I, a different team? I believe that is a different team. And this is, this okay. is just their first game, this studio. Okay. So, yeah, so, you know, you want to hope that, you know, when you get a new first game that, you know, they come out of the gate swinging, but it seems like they got the talent to do it. And, uh, you know, I think it's a it's a smart date. I think December 2nd is perfect. Um, you know, we know the Dead Space game's coming out in J- January, which uh, Dead Space 1 is one of my, it's probably my favorite survival horror game ever. So, like, obviously excited about that, but um, I think getting this out ahead of that's going to be good because you're not going to immediately draw like, oh, we're the just ripping off Dead Space comparisons. You'll get people that go in through it with fresh eyes because, you know, Dead Space is 14 years old at this point. You know, there's there's a lot of kids out there that play games now that I'm sure have never played that. So um, I think this game looks great. Uh, it's probably, you know, until God of War, hopefully, cross my fingers, gets a release date this year. Definitely um, the game I'm looking forward to most, I would say, for the rest of the year. Yeah, a, a more perfect day would have been October, but I let them have that <laughs> that's extra true, month. That's true. That's those extra two months to you know make this. Well, they should really have done game. October, and then they could have you know the inevitable delay that seems to happen <laughs> with every game to December second. So yeah, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> no, what, just kidding. What, what's the over under releases this year on this game? It did have oh, a lengthy gosh. demo. It did have yeah. you know it, it had the same trailer between State of Play and Summer Games Fest, but it did have a demo there, and it did yeah. look it did look very good. It looked very polished. So, I, I, not, I, I not placing a pot bet on it, but <laughs> we're so. I would bet. say I would say that it's. Uh, I'm gonna say it's coming out this year. I'm gonna say it's gonna hit its date. Um, you know, not because they have to, but because they kind of have to. Uh, if they yeah. go off, at, like again, if they go after Dead Space, I just think that would be not catastrophic to to how the game is received. But you want to get ahead of that, so um, you right. know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope I'm I'm gonna say they get it. Right. Yeah. The comparisons are already all over the place. So oh, yeah, dude, they that get, they the, get ahead of the, <laughs> the health the health on the back of the neck is like the most <laughs> like fu- the funniest thing to me. You know, compared to the health on the spine in Dead Space. So yeah, yeah, they need to avoid comparisons. But, you know, if it looks as good as it, you know, if it is as good as it looks, they might not even have to worry about it. It'll stand on its own legs. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so, all right, John, what 
What do you got next? All right. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Resident Evil. Um, you know, during the Capcom state of pl- or the Capcom press conference, you know, they, they want to talk about some already existing games. So, of course, they're going to talk about their beloved Resident Evil franchise. Resident Evil Village, as we know, uh, came out uh, last year. Um, really good game, really well-received game. I thought it was a little bit weaker than 7, but, you know, I still very much enjoyed it, especially that creepy baby in the basement section that freaked the shit out of me so you know which is why you play those games so um uh during the during the press conference they announced a a couple different things for an expansion pack for the for village it's called the uh winters expansion uh ethan winters of course is our protagonist in the game uh coming out october 28th uh it'll also uh be receiving a resident evil gold edition so you can get the base game uh all the expansions uh anything that that came with village all in one package so um i think that's always a good move to do you know let people get the best experience with it but um in that package, you're going to get some new characters in Mercenaries mode, which is kind of a Horde-style, score-chasing, a little more action-oriented mode in the game. Um, so for those people who like to do that kind of stuff, you know, it's going to introduce everybody's favorite, Lady D, uh, Lady Dimitrescu. You know, she'll be a playable character now, so you can, you know, get your uh, little little pervy simping uh, going on with that. <laughs> Uh, you'll get Heisenberg, um, and I believe the third character is um, is Chris. So you know it's going to just give you a little bit more there, a little bit another reason to jump back into into that if that's your thing. Um, it's going to give some story DLC, which you know I know a lot of people have been waiting for. Um, you know, especially since Seven got so much DLC support, uh, and that's something that Capcom typically does anyway. A lot of people were kind of waiting for that to happen. Um, so that's going to be in there too. I believe it's called the Shadows of Rose DLC. Uh, Rose being Ethan Winters, again, our protagonist's daughter uh, during the game. So she's going to go try and uh, put together some pieces, I think, figure out what happened to her dad. Um, and then lastly, the thing that I'm kind of most interested in and really want to applaud Capcom for is they're actually adding a third person mode to the game. Um, you know, as you guys know, if you played Resident Evil 7 or 8, they're in first person, which was the a, a radical change for the series. Uh, but they're basically going back to it and saying, hey, you know, for those people who weren't maybe crazy about that decision or um, you don't like first person shooters, you know what? We're going to let you experience this game third person, you know, a classic RE style. And and I just think that, you know, that's that's such a cool move. You know, it's something they didn't have to do. Uh, you know, it's already, again, a well-received game, so I don't think it's going to, you know, change anybody's opinions, but it just makes it a fresh experience again. And, and, you know, full disclosure, again, I didn't wasn't blown away by Village. I thought, you know, towards the end of the game, it got a little too action-oriented, a little too much bullets. I like to feel a little bit more on edge when I play these games, but, you know... Going through it again in third person, hell yeah, why not? I mean, you know, especially coming out October 28th, speaking of perfect release dates, um, you know, I think that's about as perfect as you can get. Uh, and and I just, I, th- I think it would be really cool if there was some, you know, a little bit more of that in the, in the business. And again, I know it's not an easy lift, so it's, not, it's easier said than done, but just really wanted to kind of highlight that because um, I think if you allow more people you know, accessibility is huge, right? A lot more people into the game. It's just only going to benefit you. And, and not only that, they're, they're also doing a PSVR 2 mode for the game. So, you know, they're really knocking it out of the park when it comes to um, just letting people play they, letting people play the game they want to play uh, and playing it the way they want to play. Um, 
so yeah, I, I just think that that was super cool. Um, so yeah, um, quick question for you, Nick. I mean, what do you, sure. uh, now that we know they have the ability to just kind of go back and forth, back and forth, what do you think is the plan for Resident Evil 9? Do you think <laughs> it's going to be first person, third person, or maybe maybe both right off the bat? Uh, well, to answer your earlier question, I just want to be Lady D because I want to know what it's like to be nine feet tall. Honestly, <laughs> yes, that's like, true. Like, uh, not all of us tall guys like you. You know, I want to experience what it's like to be a, a nine feet tall uh, yeah. vampire lady. Maybe um, she can just step on all the werewolf guys. You know, you don't even need weapons; she just steps on them. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> it'll be it'll be a weird perspective to see if like you can tell or not. Yeah, it's it's crazy that yeah, Capcom and Resident Evil is just killing it lately, and just the show, the all that support that Capcom's still giving to a game that's going to be a year and a half old by the time this comes out yeah. is 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 fantastic. And I am a third person snob, so right. you know, adding this to Resident Evil Eight it makes me consider playing the game now. Exactly. Um, but as far as the future of the franchise, I I, I imagine it's going to be both. I. I, I, I don't see any other way. I think, you know, people like both franchises. That's kind of why they're kind of running concurrently. You're getting the third person remakes of the older games and the, yeah. and then the first person newer titles in the series that now that they're, they have the ability to do this. I imagine that all the development work that they're putting into this to be able to have a first person, third person view in the game and, you know, make the, the required animation changes, maybe a little different, changes to the how the camera works this is all just gearing up for what resident evil 9 will be and it'll i imagine will be both Ooh, and i just had a thought i just had a thought what uh what if they added first person mode to re4 remake you think they could potentially do that uh yeah i yeah well i think i boy i don't remember but did they talk about vr for resident evil 4 so wouldn't that just there was something that they said there's components of, and I can't remember if it was for that or a different game, but yeah, they made some vague, like, you know, half step measure, like, oh yeah, there's going to be VR components to it. I can't remember if it was RE4 remake or not. You know, we'll have to, we'll have to do a little bit of research and maybe come back with that next week. People can email us at playstationpalspod at gmail.com and correct us. But I believe, I think I remember that being there, but maybe again, it was such a blur of VR things and then, Right. Being in Resident Evil 8 in the state of play that I totally missed whether in the excitement that just, oh, there, this game exists, that maybe it would have VR components. They may have mentioned it, but gotcha. But yeah, if they're we'll doing see. that, then yes, yeah, I would 100% believe that there's going to be both. And and, and again, there's a, re, there's a VR mode for the original game. So, yeah, I wouldn't I can't see why they wouldn't have that in Resident Evil 4 as well. Yeah, it'll just be it'll be interesting to see if if this is a trend that takes off with other companies too. I mean, you know, the industry loves to, you know, take influence from one another. You know, every time a big game comes out, you get a bunch of clones. Breath of the Wild, here comes all the Breath of the Wild clones. Fortnite, here comes all the Battle Royale clones. So, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if that's something that gets adopted or if that's just you know purely a Resident Evil thing. So, you know, we'll see. But I think it's, you know, it's for the player, super cool, and right. uh, not you know, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, anything that gives the player choice and how they want to play the game, I'm all for, you know. Yeah. So that's that's in their best interest. All right. Well, let's move to my the third thing I'm bringing and before I even say what it is, <laughs> John, I'm going to get your temperature on character creators. They're pretty awesome, aren't they? 
Given players choice, are you, let them. Are you trying to make enemies already <laughs> with, with our fans? They're gonna hate me for this, but uh, I think I think character creators are a waste of time. <laughs> I like to what? jump into a game. I like to just start playing. I don't, especially if it's first person. Uh, you know, it's not my thing. Not my thing at all. But what about third person? You're you're looking at your character the entire game. You can make mm-hmm. them look just like you, or mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. make them look absurd and goofy. That there's no interest at all there. Uh, no, no, not at all. I I am looking at what I'm shooting, or I'm looking at where I'm going, or <laughs> or whatever the case. But you know, that's just that's how I've always been. I was I was never the kid that played with Legos. I was never you know the kid that really had uh, any artistic creative side to him. So. Usually what happens is, uh, you know, I just get a little bit of, uh, if I try to do those, uh, I get, you know, uh, choice paralysis. And I think, oh, I want this one. No, I want this one. No, I want this one. Well, this isn't any different from this one. And then I just, in the day, I just sit, I don't care. Go. The only, I will say, I will say, there is one exception. And that okay. is from software games. Because you can make your character look horrible and it's hilarious. If you make their nose really skinny, their forehead really pointy, and uh, you know, it, it just gets a lot of joy out of me there. But nah, man, I, I, I just, you know, I think part of it too for me is, uh, you know, I have, I have three children and uh, my time is precious. I want to be playing, <laughs> man. I want to be playing. That is true. The time I've wasted creating a character, playing the game, not liking the character, going back, I've wasted quite a few hours. And and I will say also on that, I regret already making a podcast with you because on episode one, you say you're not creative as we endeavor on this creative po- hey, that's what- this creative podcast where we have to create content. That's why I got um, you, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway... With enough of that sidebar, I wanted to talk about the Saints Row Boss Factory. Uh, Not as much as how it entails with Saints Row, because since we already know you don't like character creators, but just as like an interesting way to promote your game. Um, Say like Starfield was like, hey, before release, we're going to you we're going to have a a Starfield um, a Starfield character editor where you can uh, you know, create your character, set all your traits, and boom, you're in the game. Like, it's just the marketing possibilities that have already come out of just this product alone. You know, people are creating characters, they're sharing their ridiculous, uh, you know, handsome uh, Squidward, uh, you know, Joker characters, and uh, it's just the it's just the interesting because nobody's really doing that but volition. Uh, but I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Is just a, kind of like an interesting way to not demo your game, but still demoing your game and still creating kind of a buzz about your game without actually playing your game. It's, it's just, it's just a weird thing to do. Uh, yeah. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, first off, thanks for the setup, man, you know, with, uh, throwing me under the butt, the creative character creations. Cause I gotta be honest, like when I first saw boss factory, I thought it was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, I think, you know, they did a, a great job with just embracing the insanity. Um, so, you know, in terms of character creators, this is one of the better ones I've seen. But I, I do think it's a, yeah, it's a it's a creative way to market your game. It, it gets people actively engaged months ahead. It gets people thinking about it, getting excited, 
you know, to finally play with the character that they've created, um, you know, and, and the robustness of this one is wild. Like you said, man, like people making these Joker characters, but, you know, handsome Squidward and Heisenberg from Breaking Bad and, and just, you know, I saw a Better Call Saul one. Like there's so many, you know, insane uh, levels to customization to these ones that I, I could see, you know, wanting to actually engage in because you can get pretty damn close to what you have in your head because it's just something, you know, it's horror. Like part of the reason I don't like the create the character creators typically is like, you know, you have this vision for something you want to do and, you know, I want to make a character look like me and okay, he's got kind of my eyes and he kind of has my hair and he <laughs> kind of has a thing that I would wear. And then you play and you're just like, eh, you know, it doesn't feel like anything, but with this one, uh, you know, they really went balls to the walls with it. And I think it's pretty cool, but um, yeah, man, I give them props. Yeah. And just, I mean, even going back to your time is valuable thing. Imagine, you know, getting your character all set and ready to go. Game comes out, boom, you're just, you're, you're playing the game. You know, you don't, you're not wasting your time doing all, all the the character creation and stats and all that. So, you know, if they implemented this for that last of us multiplayer game, that would just, I just, I just think it's a smart idea that nobody's doing. It's kind of like that, you know, the shadow of, of Mordor ne- nemesis system. Everyone's like, oh, everyone's going to do this. And then nobody yeah. does it. Yeah. And you're like, why is nobody doing this? This is kind of in that same vein. Uh, it's like, why is – if you have a character creator, I, obviously time and money is a thing here. But why aren't you doing this? Because it seems there's no downside. They're not playing your game. They're not breaking your game. You know, yeah. they're just playing around with uh, the cool character creator and then just creating social uh, social awareness uh, of of your game and the cool things you can create in it. I, it was it's an interesting idea. You know, I, I think, yeah, I, I think you're kind of turning me a little bit here towards this, <laughs> this idea, because, you know, the more I think about it, that is pretty, pretty awesome. You know, if Saints Row is, is a franchise I've never played, I don't have a lot of experience with it. The trailers look good, but, you know, to say I, I'm excited for Saints Row, I, I would be lying. But if you put out something like this for, yeah, the next uh, fa- like factions is a great example, because, you know, I definitely want to play that. Uh, I love the world of The Last of Us. I want to be in the world of The Last of Us. Um, and if you could let me play around with a character creator months in advance, I would be very excited because I get to, you know, even something as simple as going on my PlayStation 5 cross-media bar, or whatever they call it nowadays, and, like, you know, highlighting The Last of Us factions thing and going into it is a, is a dopamine rush in and of itself. And then having the ability to uh, just tinker around with it would would be super cool. So, you know, maybe if maybe if the game comes out, it's something, you know, uh, something that I enjoy, you know, maybe Boss Factory too. That'll be a thing for me. We'll see. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. So, John, finish us All off. Right. Oh, boy. Saving the best yes, for last. Yes, yes, yes. Our blue blur friend, Sonic Frontiers. Um, <laughs> have to talk about this one, man. I don't really want to, but I feel like we have to. Um you know, Sonic Frontiers, developed by uh, Sonic Team. Um, you know, it's it's the new uh, open world, or I believe they're calling it Open Zone. Uh, the last couple oh, of days, gosh. which is you know I, that just seems like a red flag already. Um, but it's a new new open world Sonic game that you can tell uh, is definitely chasing that Breath of the Wild trend. Um, you know, they they showed off. Uh, a gameplay exploration trailer first, kind of out of the blue. I don't think it was even part of any of the events. It was just posted and IGN had a first look. But, 
you know, it, it opens and you see Sonic running around this realistic looking world, which, you know, initially you might be like, oh, that looks pretty. And then you kind of see him run around and run around and, and go down, up this hill and down this hill and nothing is happening. He looks like a fish out of water. He's this animated blue dude in this photorealistic world. And then you see a tower and he just hits bumpers that launch him up the tower. So you're not even really actively playing. You're just kind of doing this thing. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when this game got announced, I heard a lot of positive buzz. I heard a lot of people that thought like, okay, you know, I think this one, this is going to be the one. I think that, you know, Sonic is, is on a, I wouldn't say an all-time high because, you know, back in the early Genesis days, Sonic was pretty huge. But with the movies and the success of the movies and, um, you know, things like that, he's definitely having a revival. So I think a lot of people were kind of, hope, you know, optimistic about it. But then when they showed this this gameplay, and it could have just been a product of bad marketing because, you know, I don't know if the first look you should have is literally just seven minutes of ex- exploration, but... You know, it just seems so lifeless. It seems so soulless. Um, you're, he's running up a tower, and then just off in the distance, you see these thin, squiggly lines. And you're like, what the, what the hell is that? And he goes over, and it's just a rail that he just grinds on and collects coins. And so you're in this, again, in this photorealistic world, and you just hear ping, 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 ping. And it's just very, very, I don't know, unsettling. So, um, what is what was your kind of thought process, Nick, when you when you first saw it? Because, you know, I, something I thought that was pretty funny is when they first started talking about this game is that the the Sonic team's main goal is to is they're aiming for a high user score. So I think they have a high high hill to climb. Do you think they can get there? What, what do you what did you think of the game? Um. Oh boy. So to tie this back to a Sony game, uh, last year's Ratchet of Clank, one of my favorite levels was the open world where you use the jet boots and you're boosting around. It's very fast. Um, And I think that's the kind of feeling they're trying to go for. Like, hey, we have this real fast character. Like, let's just give him a giant open world to to play in, to be really fast in, to just explore and find things in, just like Breath of the Wild. But the problem with what they showed is, and I don't know when this game's coming out. I don't right. think they've ever set a release date. But it felt very much like an engine demo. Like, yes, like here's here's an engine. Here's all the tools to play with. They give it to a couple of people. They come back with this, and then this is how he interacts. Like this is how the physics work and everything else. It didn't look like a game. There's no like quest markers. There's no, what is he doing? Where, how do you know where you're going? Why are you going up these things? What are you getting? What are you collecting? Why are you collecting coins? Mm-hmm. It just, it just seemed very too early to show us. It almost like, you know, when some of these studios, they show like a demo and it's like, well, this is a recruiting effort. We want to get, developers working on Sonic. We want to get them excited by Sonic. This is what we're going to show to get them there. But to have this IGN first and just more and more of the game being shown over this month and just more and more like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, no. Well, and, and, is- and I know we don't know the date, but they have said it's a 2022 game. So it's just like, yeah, man, like I agree. How how could you let this out in this state? You know, yeah. so much pop in, so much just unpolished edges that just you can't help but look at it and, and come away negatively. I, I don't know how right. you couldn't otherwise. Yeah, 2022. Are you sure about that, Sega? <laughs> you sure, you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and, and again, it's like... Uh, we don't want to be, you know, 
pessimistic about the game. You know, we want to show some optimism. And I think the idea is solid there. It's just the execute. What we're seeing right now is just not exciting. It's yeah. And well, and it's, it is interesting when you kind of do look at it through the lens of this weird open zone thing that they said, right. Is like, you know, was this just like one of the many open zones? Is there going to be like a lot of cool different like places you can run around in? And, and that could be cool. I, I think I've heard some hands-on impressions from some insiders coming back and saying like, no, it's actually quite fun. Um, you know, it's definitely got some polish, but there are some interesting ideas here. You know, one of the, one of the things from the demo that actually did kind of catch my eye and I thought like, oh, that could be a cool mechanic is when uh, I think there was an enemy that was like, you know, had a shield up and Sonic basically had to run around him in a circle, which, you know, popped his shield off and then he was able to attack. And, you know, so you can kind of like draw, like if there's different ways to attack and, you know, kind of if anybody's ever played Okami, I know you have Nick, where you kind of Mm -hmm. draw different things that do differently. You can draw a bomb or you can draw a slash attack. Like you could, you know, do some interesting ideas there. So, you know, here's to hoping that that's how it is. I just... You know, I I think <laughs> Team Sonic doesn't have the best track record, right? You know, it's it's interesting over there at at Sega because you have Team Sonic, which is the main Sonic team. They're the ones who make the big 3D games, and then you kind of have the smaller teams, which I want to say was even like created by a bunch of fans of Sonic who did Sonic Mania, um, you know, which was very very well received. And in fact, yeah, it was a fantastic game. Um, so it's just it's just this weird amalgamation of feelings and I just I hope they can pull it together but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look great, man. And and right. I did I wanted to kind of end here. I pulled together some metacritic scores uh just to kind of show like what we're looking at. Oh. I hope it's I hope I'm wrong, but of uh of all the Team Sonic some of the Team Sonic games to come out lately. Sonic Forces 56. Sonic Colors 74, not bad. <laughs> Sonic Unleashed, 60. Sonic Boom, Rise of the Lyric, a 37. And, you know, that's just not acceptable when you have Sonic Mania that got an 87. I think sometimes we need to let IPs or let games exist where they excel at. And it's okay to not just keep reinventing the wheel. It's okay (laughs) not to make a Zelda Breath of the Sonic. You don't need to do that. You know, stick with what's good. Stick with what people like, which is 2D Sonic. And, you know, I think we'll all be happy because, like, right. you know, look look at the past, man. Metal Gear Survive. Come on. Like, what, what was that? Like, you know, there's this rumor about this new Crash game coming out that's like a that's a, a multiplayer party thing. It's like we don't – it's it's interesting to get new ideas. That's how you get things that, you know, you, you, you know, Crash Team Racing or, or other spinoffs. There are good spinoffs, but I just don't know if Team Sonic's the team to be able to pull that off. Right. And and by his nature, Sonic is a very fast character. And I can't think of a game with a really fast character that has done well in 3D. You know, there's there's a reason why we don't have a the Flash video game or a Superman video game. They're very hard characters to get done well in a 3D space when yep. you're when your main goal is to just go as fast as possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's got. Yeah, I, I don't know what would work best for the for a fast character like Sonic, but this does seem like it could. It's just, it's not there. It yet. could. And again, you know, hands-on impressions, you know, mean, mean the world. There's some, some games just don't demo well. Some people have said it, it's actually quite fun. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect that to come out in 2022 <laughs> if I were a betting man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. 
Confident about Callisto Protocol, not confident about Sonic Frontiers. Well, yeah, one looks a little better than the other. <laughs> yeah, one looks a little further along. Yeah. Um, so, but again, we'll see. I'm, the game was going to be shown a lot more uh, this year, I'm sure, especially if they still target that release date. But I'm Definitely. with you. It's not going to be here. No, but we'll see it next year. Um, but that's it. That's six things. We did it. Woo! We recorded our first podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time. John, did you have a good time? It was, yeah, it was a good time, man. It was a good time. It's, uh, you know, fun to, fun to have these conversations in a structured environment instead of me and you just shouting at each other. So, uh, yeah, no, man. Are I you going to try Saints Row Boss Factory? That's, that's the real question. Uh, no, no, I'm not. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll maybe. do that when you, when you play a single indie game, any <laughs> indie game. How about that? Wow. Wow. This is supposed to come out naturally, not quick jabs at me. Now people are going to hate me because I don't like indie yeah, games. Yeah, well, you know. All right. Well, I, don't at least it off, you can't take it. I'll spend every week trying to redeem myself. I'll play every indie game. No, don't quote me on that. I'm not doing that. But, but I may play an indie game sometime soon who knows i'll 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 leave it at that (laughs) all right well that's a wrap this is the end of episode one uh we're gonna leave you with since we were talking about the last of us we're gonna leave you on that excellent last of us theme song by oh god i'm gonna butcher his name gustavo do you know john uh hold on i i I don't have the document up (laughs) uh Gustavo. Yeah, it's just by Gustavo, dude. That's what yep. I heard. Yep. It'll be in the show notes, and you can you can try your best to pronounce it. But uh, we'll see you next Ooh, week. Wait, wait, wait. Lala. Yes, Santolala. That doesn't sound right, but, yeah, well, but sure. With it. Sure, that's good enough. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with six more things. We hope you enjoy the podcast and enjoy the song. See, see ya. you guys.